Today is August 1st, 2021. We will be reading from the big book of AA, page eight, starting trembling, I stepped from the hospital, through and including page 10 with ministers and the world's religions. Um, Sharon C, Sharon W, I'm sorry. Sharon W will be our reader, followed by a 20 minute share from Simon C. Um, okay, so. Sharon, if you could read our text today, thank you. Hi, Sharon W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink, and on Armistice Day, 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen with a certain satisfaction. I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. He was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. Of course, he would have dinner and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis, drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there, fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about, I queried. He looked straight at me, simply but smiling, he said, I've got religion. I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now, I suspected, a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire all right, but bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. But he did no ranting. In a matter of fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court, persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago and the result was self-evident, it worked. He had come to pass his experience along to me. If I cared to have it, I was shocked but interested. Certainly I was interested. I had to be, for I was hopeless. He talked for hours. Childhood memories rose before me. I could almost hear the sound of the preacher's voice as I sat on, as I sat on still Sundays way over there on the hillside. There was that proffered temperance pledge I never signed. My grandfather's good nature contempt of some church folk and their doings. His insistence that the spheres really had their music, but his denial of the preacher's right to tell him how he must listen his fearlessness as he spoke of these things just before he died. These recollections welled up from the past. They made me swallow hard. 
that wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are, for that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemist, the astronomers, even the evolutionists suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me, who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Thank you so much, Sharon. And I'm very grateful today that Simon C., one of our, our uh, home group members here, um, is speaking to us. And he, uh, Simon is from Edinburgh, Scotland. So thank you so much for your service, Simon. Thanks, Kim. I'm Simon, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And thanks so much for asking me. It's an it's a honor to be asked to do service. And uh, it's a nerve wracking honor as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be asked to do it. And uh, uh, this meeting is my home group and it's been such a big help to me. And uh, I go out for daily walks and uh, listen to the podcasts on my daily walks. So, you know, it helps me not only once a week, but all through the week and gives me that uh, OA um, guidance in my in my day, you know. So, and this this reading is great. I mean, Bill's story, um, you know, this this point here, um, you know, trembling when he left the left the hospital, a broken man. Just before that, he says that uh, alcohol was my master, you know, and 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 for us, like, you know, uh, food food was my master, you know. Um, I find that hard to say sometimes because, you know, I feel like you know, I'm in other 12-step programs and I got to Overeaters Anonymous possibly earlier than, um, you know, than uh, if I hadn't been in a, you know, another 12-step program. So I don't think I've gone down as far as I could have with, uh, with, um, with uh, food, but that's a yet, you know, that's a yet for me. You're eligible too. Um, but it's not a necessity. I don't have to do it because I've found another way, which is, you know, Overeaters Anonymous. That means that I don't have to continue. I'm already convinced that, um, you know, I have this abnormal reaction to food. You know, I have the obsession for food. And once I take food, um, I, you know, it sets up uh, like the allergy. It's like, it's like a compulsion to eat more and, you know, overeat when other people wouldn't, you know, and, uh, you know, certainly there's plenty of, uh, um, and then, you know, this, this reading is going in towards step two, you know, part of step two. Um, obviously, that's, at the time that he writ, wrote this, it's, it's uh, you know, he was looking back and, um, you know, this is where sort of step two, part of step two came from. And, you know, for me with step two, when people were trying, you know, um, you know, it was implying that I was insane and, uh, you know, and, and I was trying to say, well, wait a minute, why, you know, you're trying to say I'm insane. And, but when I look at my food behaviors, so especially looking back, it's some of it's insanity, you know, eating food off the floor and things like that. It's not normal 
normal uh, eating, you know. Um, but I would think nothing of doing that, you know, things like that, eating food off the floor. Well, you're not going to waste it, are you? You know, this all these kind of insane ideas, you know, that, that kind of normal eaters just would not think of eating stuff that's been on the floor. They'll just put it in the trash and, you know, get some more. And uh, so, you know, seeing that um now also uh in that reading it goes on to say um you know this was step one for bill but it didn't stop him drinking again you know it didn't stop him you know even fear even this uh as it says there it sobered him for a bit then he drank again and it was worse than before which proves that there's no he had no defense against it and it proves to me that i have no no defense, no matter, no amount of willpower can help me stay away from, you know, to can control my, uh, my food addiction, you know? Um, and, you know, as, as he's writing this uh, book as well, then um, as he's writing this story in the book, um, you know, he's he'd become resigned that it's going to be this miserable end. And, uh, you know, um, but as it goes on to say, then he was soon catapulted into what he likes to call the fourth dimension of existence. And uh, I would describe that uh, in Overeaters Anonymous as uh, when I meet people in Overeaters Anonymous that seem to be living in the, um, the um, that they're living in the fourth dimension because they have neutrality over food, you know, they're compulsive eaters just like me but they actually are living quite happily and they actually are living in neutrality with food. And uh, that, that was something that, you know, when I first came over here as Anonymous, I, in that first year, I was going to meetings all over Scotland, you know, going to meet as many meetings as I could. And I was meeting people that were telling me things like, oh, food's just uh, a fuel for me. It's just like the fuel that you put, that I have that gets me to the good stuff, you know, like the fuel that you put into your car that gets you to where you want to go. And they were telling me these things that I was just like, wow, I never thought about it like that. And, um, and I suppose in many ways they planted the seeds for, uh, you know, um, they've planted the seeds and, and I aspire to be in that situation one day when, where I have like neutrality, um, and, you know, part of that, you know, coming to Overeaters Anonymous meetings and, uh, and, and trying to follow this program to the best of my ability, you know. Um, now, Bill, again, Bill goes on to say that uh, his friend, Ebby, this was a school friend, um, Ebby, that, um, you know, they were in addiction together. You know, they, he, knew, he knew that uh, Ebby was just as hopeless as Bill. And, um, and I think that, you know, again, in the, when I meet people in Overeaters Anonymous um, from other fellowship that I've been in that, um, that, were, that had neutrality over food, that kind of inspired me that, um, that, that it's possible because they're showing me by example, you know, that it can be done. And, uh, you know, um, Ebby... Uh, you know, when Ebby went to meet Bill, um, he, uh, um, yeah, he came to meet Bill. And, you know, the, the thing was, he, he said to Ebby that, uh, um, that he'd got religion, you know, and, uh, 
of course, Bill just, you know, when he said religion, that was it. You know, Bill just thought, oh, here we go. Uh, but, you know, luckily for him, as he said, he still had enough, uh, you know, of his uh, alcohol to keep to drown out, you know, the ranting. But <clears throat> then he was surprised when Ebby did know ranting, you know. And uh, that's what I've found in Overeaters Anonymous as well. People don't rant at me and they don't tell me what to do or anything like that. They just tell me, like, quietly what they did or you know what happened what they found what they did and uh, how it how it is how it looks today and it's totally a different approach from you know the kind of things that people would say to me you know like normal eaters oh why don't you just eat less why don't you just do this all these things you know that could work for a normal eater but you know for somebody that has this allergy it doesn't seem to work that way you know it's 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 different you know and uh, um, yeah, and Ebby was carrying that message because you know Ebby was there was Ebby, and he had found this kind of you know he had found the the Oxford group, which was people in the Oxford group had found him really actually, and uh, and that was where Bill got you know part of the twelve steps from you know six of the twelve steps, and uh, and there there was Ebby with this you know he was sober he'd been a sober a couple of a couple of months which bill had never you know couldn't remember the last time that uh ebby came to new york new york in this condition so again it comes back to me you know meeting people in this in this meeting for example that you can talk to that you know they're comp compulsive overeaters just the same as me but they have neutrality today you know they have like you know their life looks a lot better than it did especially when you hear people describing you know what it was like when they were in the food and uh, when I look at my own recovery, I can see that my recovery in Overeaters Anonymous is like, um, you know, sometimes I've challenged myself thinking this isn't really working for me the way that, you know, I think it should. And, you know, and then I realize how much it is working for me. You know, I, I look at how my life is today and, you know, how, how it was then. And I, I get that. Then I can get that, like, awareness of how, how this works in my life. And, uh it, it, there's a few, you know, thinking back to a few examples of things that have happened. And uh, there's times recently where I would have turned to food and I haven't. And I'm like, well, how did that happen? You know, why did I not turn to food? I obviously have a defense somehow. I've, I've got to this point where I have a defense that I didn't used to have, you know. So, uh, yeah, so um, now... Uh, Moving on in the in the reading, yeah. Um, this is another thing about Ebby. This was the identification process, the importance of the identification process. Bill could identify with Ebby, and uh, that's how. And uh, and also, you know, Ebby mentioned that he was here to help Bill, and uh, um, and Bill was, you know, as he says there, he was hopeless. Now, this is, you know, he was hopeless. So. He was shocked but interested to listen to what Ebby had to say, you know, to find out what Ebby was doing. And, uh, you know, this reminds me of what people call the gift of de desperation in, uh, in recovery. You know, when I get the gift of desperation, it's like I'm desperate enough that uh, I'm going to ask, like I'm going to try and do something different. I'm going to ask people where I normally wouldn't, you know, where my pride wouldn't allow me. Uh, and things like that. So, 
Yeah, it's mentioned the identification process, the gift of desperation there, as, as I read it. Um, and uh, as Ebby was talking to uh, Bill, he was, uh, he was um, uh, starting to reminisce um, over, over the past. And uh, um, yeah, he's starting to reminisce about his past and uh, think, thinking about, uh, because Ebby had mentioned religion and um, um, Bill was starting to think of like church and things like that, you know, and uh, realizing for me that this is a spiritual program, uh, you know, in step two, because this is going on to the part of step two, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore us to sanity. Um, I didn't need to go to religion. I actually went to nature. You know, when it talked about the spirit of the universe, I associated that with nature, like the powers of nature, rather than like anything, you know, to do with religion. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with religion, but religion gave me ideas that uh, that didn't help me in my addiction, you know. Um, whereas when I came to believe in that, all I had to believe in was a power greater than myself. And I can, I can use... Uh, I can use the fellowship as a power greater than myself. I can use the people who are living, you know, um, with neutrality from food. I can use them as my higher power. And uh, over the years, my higher power has changed. But that's that's what I first, you know, first did in the uh, in the in in the fellowship. You know, was was using that because, um, as I say, the 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 idea of some kind of nature, some spirit of the universe um, and the force of nature. Uh, and, and all I had to do is to try and turn it over to that rather than trying to do it myself. Because I remember somebody saying, uh, I remember going to a convention and the woman at the top table said that the only thing, uh, her sponsor said to her, the only thing you need to know about God is that it's not you. And, uh, and I, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, what's she talking about? You know, and as it started to like, you know, the cogs start to turn and, uh, and connect the dots together, that that's the main thing I need to remember is that it's not me. And uh, when I can do that, because, and even looking at my own experience, when I tried it myself, it didn't work. When I try it myself, it just doesn't seem to work. When I, when I follow the guidance of my higher power, it seems to work out, you know, God seems to have a lot better plans for, for me than me, you know, even better than the ones I have. You know, I thought I had some good plans, but as it turns out, God uh, gives me even, even better stuff, you know? So uh, by my own experience, it's definitely uh, worth, worth my while uh, following my higher power. And where, where do I get in touch with, you know, where did I come to believe that a power greater than myself in these rooms by talking to people, by listening to God speak in the rooms, you know, to listen to the voices that give me guidance of, oh, that might be a better way to handle that situation. That might be a better way to deal with my food. That might be a better way not to go to, you know, eat all you can buffets, you know, things like that, you know. Um, so listening to these, the, the wisdom in the rooms is, is definitely where, you know, I've, I get a lot of help. And, uh, also, um, I've got a sponsor now in, uh, in OA, and I always found it quite difficult to get. I found it quite difficult to meet, like to get a male sponsor. Um, 
actually, and it's strangely enough, I came to this meeting so many, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I got myself uh, a sponsor here. And uh, that's made such a big difference because, again, it's like I can only go so far in my recovery. And uh, I hit roadblocks. When I, when I have a sponsor and I talk to my sponsor, those roadblocks come down, you know. He, he can guide me through the stuff that I can't um, do myself because the thing about the diseased mind is that the diseased mind can't solve the problems of the diseased mind. And, uh, you know, and that, that is as simple as that, you know. Uh, uh, and that came, that again does come in step two because uh, was it uh, Roland Hazard that went to uh, Carl Jung and he had, you know, uh, basically Sigmund Freud believed that all solutions came from the mind and Carl Jung believed that there could be solutions outside the mind, which was the spiritual, spiritual solution, you know. And, uh, and that was proven by over the years, people had recovered from these addictions. People had recovered and there was always some kind of spiritual um, kind of um, happening around these people recovering. So, uh, you know, and to talk about spirituality, you know, it sounded when I first got into recovery, talking about spirituality, I had some kind of fancy ideas of what spirituality is, you know, like I thought you had to have like, you had to be in a lotus position. You had to have two, you know, two uh, joysticks in your hands and things like that. That was like, you know, and then I started to realize that there's nothing more practical than spirituality, you know, like a kind of self-help, just just uh, a simple uh, way of, uh, you know, bring, bringing health to my life. And um, yeah, so I'm kind of running out of... Um, I'm running out, I've made some notes and uh, I'm kind of running out of the notes that I've made. The last part uh, um, is, uh, yeah, I've got there, spirit of the universe, a power greater than himself. And Bill believed in that. Um, so, um, you know, he believed in that. So that was like, and that's where I that's where I went like with Bill that I had some kind of connection when I when I read that part of it, um, because again with when it came to God I thought about how can I be in this mess if there's a God you know I kind of like I didn't not believe there was a God but I had this debate in my head about how can I be in this mess if if uh, if there's a God and then I started to realize that um, you know that that it, it was, you know, that the way out of it was, you know, um, was through following my higher power. So, um, yeah, so I'm starting to, uh, I don't know how much time I've got left, but starting to run out of uh, my notes and everything like that. Uh, other than that, um, I, you know, I, I had to look at, I probably did this a bit late, but when I was researching this, I had a read of the big book and I also went to Joe and Charlie and listened to what they had to say about it because they all have some, some great stuff. And uh, what I did very late was read, read uh, step two in the 12 and 12. Uh, I read that quite late. I maybe should have done that um, earlier. But definitely for me is that, you know, going into step two, that yes, my, my food, my food uh, behavior 
is is uh, my food addiction is uh, was pretty insane. It still is. You know, my head has some great ideas about you know what would be a good idea. You know, and it's like it would just be. But fortunately, they're just thoughts today. You know, I. You know, recovery has taught me to play the tape forward. You know, if I have any sort of thoughts of ideas about what would be nice to go and do, um, I can play the tape forward and realize where that's going to lead. And uh, then I've got, you know, then I've got a choice if I want to go down that road or if I want to try another road. And for me, coming back to, you know, just get to the meeting, you know, that's the simple thing for me. Just, just uh, you know, commit my food every day. Um, follow the program to the best of my ability and uh, just, just, uh, just trying to, trying to live my life, trying to keep it simple, you know, because my head can complicate, um, can complicate the most simple things if, if I allow it to, but that's, that's where this program does help me because I've got, you know, I didn't know how to solve these problems before, but now I have a program that helps me deal with the stuff that to deal with the things that I can't seem to, uh, figure out by myself you know it gives me you know i've heard it said by many people i didn't have the sort of handbook on how to live growing up you know it, other people seem to have it but i didn't have it naturally but this 12-step program kind of gives me those tools to live you know the the best life that i can so yeah so uh that's about it really um uh, it's just great to be part of this meeting this this meeting has been such this is my home group and it's made such a big uh, impact on my recovery. And, uh, you know, um, and as I say, the podcasts and everything like that, it's just like, uh, it's just, just what I need, you know? So anyway, so I'm just going to finish there. Um, I hope I haven't uh, bored or offended everyone. I, I haven't seen anyone go to sleep, so it can't be that bad. Um but yeah, thanks again, uh, Kim, for asking me and uh, thanks to everybody else for listening.